0: Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the 48 Hours Podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award winning CBS News correspondents and producers. In Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours, wherever you get your podcasts. Four unsolved crimes that will terrify. Thousands of crimes go unsolved every day all over the world. But there are a few cases that stick with you. The ones that leave you scratching your head, wondering what exactly happened. The cases on this list feature similar stories. These are four unsolved crimes that will terrify. Number four, Philadelphia's boy in the box. They called him John Doe. In February of 1957, he was found naked, covered in bruises, placed in a cheap plaid blanket, Stuffed in a cardboard box, then left in a wooded area in Fox Chase, Philadelphia. A student checking around for muskrats first found the box but didn't report it. A second person then stumbled across it and at first hesitated to call police but later he changed his mind. During the investigation, police determined John Doe was only four or five years old. He had a scar running down his chin and there were signs of prolonged malnutrition. The boy had not eaten anything for several hours before he died, and his body showed signs of multiple beatings and years of abuse. Hoping to find more clues, police scoured the area where he was found. They discovered a child's scarf and a white handkerchief with a monogrammed G, as well as a corduroy cap. Authorities tried different tactics to help identify the boy. They traced his fingerprints, released over 400,000 flyers and photos but there were no leads or reliable tips. Over the years, the case of the boy in the box generated theories as to how and where he had come from. The first was that he belonged to a nearby foster home. He was thought to be the son of the stepdaughter living in that house. But this was later proven to be wrong since their DNA didn't match. A second theory was when a woman known as M said her mother adopted the boy. He was abused for three years and took a beating the night of his death. Although some parts of her story matched the circumstances on the boy, there was no direct evidence linking her to the crime. After decades of trying to figure out his identity, the case still remains unsolved. John Doe's body was exhumed in 1998 for DNA extraction, then reburied in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia. Many are still hoping this sad case will eventually be solved, but for now, only time will tell. Number 3. Danny Casolaro. Being an investigative reporter means you have to be willing to get into people's private business to get the story. Some stories demand a high price to pay, sometimes with your life. Such was the case with Danny Casolaro. Casolaro grew up in McLean, Virginia, and was always interested in different things. He liked boxing, writing poetry, and creating short stories. It wasn't a surprise he would also become interested with journalism, writing and chasing stories about the Soviet Union and communism, among others. At the turn of the 1970s, Casalaro decided to steer away from journalism and dabble with the burgeoning IT trend. But this interest in IT trade only lasted for a decade or so. By the start of the 90s, he switched back to journalism. It was around this time he began investigating a complicated case known as the Inslaw Promise case. As a quick primer, Promise, Prosecutor's Management Information System, was a software Inslaw founder and former U.S. Justice Department employee William A. Hamilton helped create. The program was for organizing paperwork from courts and in law enforcement. The problem arose when Hamilton left his job at the U.S. Justice System and alleged the government had stolen the promised program and sold it illegally. This cost him millions of dollars in revenue. The case caused a drawn-out dispute between Hamilton and the U.S. Justice Department. Soon after, conspiracy theories formed around the case that the sold software was modified to include backdoor access by the government so they can use it to spy on those they sold it to. Casalaro began investigating the case in 1990. He met up with Hamilton, who gave him a 12-page memo detailing all the allegations. With this memo as his guide, Casalaro dove deep into the wild claims about the case, the conspiracy theories, and the supposed secret organization called the Octopus, that involved high-ranking men and officials in office. The earnest reporter pressed on with his investigations. By August of 1991, he said several prominent publications were already in tow to finance his story and that Time magazine had tasked him to write an article about the shady organization Octopus. All of these, though, were fake. He later showed a friend a 22-page outline about the case. The next day, Casolaro left for West Virginia, where he said he was meeting a source that would help his story. His housekeeper and neighbor, Olga, helped him place stacks of paper into a briefcase before leaving. While house-sitting, she said she got several threatening phone calls at Casolaro's residence. On August 9, 1991, Casolaro was staying in room 517 at a motel in West Virginia. In the early evening, he met a man named Mike Looney, who was renting the room beside his. The two chatted, drank coffee, and talked until about 9.30 p.m. Casolaro mentioned he was meeting a contact at 9, but later believed he may have blown him off. At 10 p.m., he left to buy coffee and was never seen alive again. By noon on August 10th, a housekeeper found him dead in the bathtub. He was naked, he had multiple lacerations on his wrist, Blood was all around the bathroom, and his cuts were so deep it nearly severed one of his hands. Despite the brutality of his wounds, his death was proclaimed a suicide. Casalaro's death only sparked more questions, and many believe that it wasn't suicide at all. During toxicology, traces of acetaminophen, alcohol, and antidepressants were found in his system. Some suggest this was used to incapacitate him and stage his death. There were other suspicious incidents that followed as well. The day after his death, his room was professionally cleaned and the cleaners didn't save any potential evidence. Casalaro also had some bruises on his arms and head, while three of his fingernail tips were also missing. Even more confusing was at his funeral, a decorated military official suddenly appeared and placed a medal on his casket. To this day, no one knows who that person was. His family and others believe Casalaro was killed by members of the Octopus in an effort to silence him, and today his case remains unsolved. Number 2. Sam Borg It seems Sam Borg made a good life for himself. The 70-year-old from Melbourne owned a Maltese club which was locally known for hosting illegal gambling, letting Borg live an easy life. On May 30th, 1960, he was seen at the club, being his usual self. After a few days, a friend noticed he hadn't seen him for a while and began to worry about his welfare. He called police and asked them to do a welfare check on the club owner. When authorities got to Borg's home, it was locked and no one was answering. An officer decided to peek through the first floor window using a ladder, and from there, they saw Borg. He was battered in the head and dead on the floor. The officers managed to get inside and found one puzzling thing the door was nailed from within borg was attacked and killed then his body wrapped in rags and tied with a belt he was then pushed underneath the bed police checked the place and found some bundles of cash left behind but other items missing they believe borg was killed for a robbery with the door bolted shut with nails from the inside they think the killer had entered the home using the skylight. Once Bohr got home, the intruder pounced on him. He took some money, nailed the door shut, and exited using the skylight once again. In an effort to find the killer, police questioned over 40 people, but the case is still unsolved after all these years. Number one, Matrice Richardson. It was an odd situation. 24-year-old Matrice Richardson had driven 40 miles from her home in Malibu to Calabasas, California. While there, she was reported as having skipped out on her $89 restaurant bill and was later seen rummaging inside a restaurant staff's vehicle. When she was asked what she was doing, her words didn't make any sense. Police were called in, and they said she was sober, even though she had bottles of alcohol in her car and half an ounce of pot in her possession. Normally, that's grounds to submit her to a psychiatric evaluation, but they simply arrested her for not paying her bill. Matrice was booked and taken into the station. Her vehicle was taken to a tow yard along with all her possessions. Her mother, Latisse Sutton, was informed about the situation and she began to worry. It was unusual for her daughter to behave like that. She told police Matrice had bipolar disorder, so, if possible, that she not be released until the next morning. Sutton also asked the officers to have Matrice call her once she got to the station. However, she never called her mother when she got there, and the problem really began when officers later released Matrice at 12.38 a.m. instead of later in the morning, like her mother had asked. Matrice was unfamiliar with the area, She had no money and had no way to call family or friends since her items were in the car and the tow yard was located 11 miles away from the station. After walking out that night, Matrice was never seen alive again. According to officers, she was released because she wasn't exhibiting any mental illness and that she was an adult. When her mother called the station at 5 a.m., she was told Matrice had been released hours earlier. A large search for her wouldn't happen until four months later, On January 9, 2010, there were over 300 volunteers covering around 40 square miles of terrain, hoping to find some sign of the young woman. There were follow-up searches done in June as well, but there was still nothing. Then in August of 2010, park rangers were tipped off about a possible marijuana farm in the Santa Monica Mountains. When they looked around the area, instead of finding the farm, they discovered the remains of a female, and it was of Matrice. She was naked, and her clothes were found all around the area. The coroner was informed of the discovery, and he explicitly told the officers not to move the body. However, against his orders, the officers immediately bagged the corpse so the area and the body were never fully examined on the scene. This was a questionable move by the rangers. In their official statement, Police said there were no signs of foul play, even if it was impossible to identify in the first place because of the state of decomposition. Authorities theorized because of her mental state, Matrice likely suffered an episode, undressed and suffered extreme anaphylactic shock from poison oak. Her family doesn't believe this, though. Her father, for instance, thinks officers took advantage of Matrice's fragile state and did something to her. To add to this... The captain of the police station where Matrice was taken to said he couldn't find the tape showing her in her cell or even walking out of the station. It wasn't until five months later when he said he finally found it in his drawer. When the tape was viewed, it showed Matrice was not well at all. She was rocking herself from side to side in her cell, showing she was not okay. Both Matrice's parents filed separate lawsuits against the county sheriff's department. They won the suit and were paid, but when they asked the Attorney General's office to check how the case was handled, there was insufficient evidence to proceed with any other charges. So there were four unsolved crimes that will terrify. Solving a crime has no timeline. There are some cases solved within hours of them happening. Meanwhile, others take years and even decades, and yet quite a few can remain unsolved forever. If you like this video then hit the notification bell and subscribe to our channel we have new videos coming out every week on wednesdays and saturdays that we know you'll want to check out thanks for tuning in and we'll see you soon with everything you have on your plate